The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. Masters, a poppychuloradio.com original series, Poppy Chulo Radio, pop culture on demand. Today is Thursday, February 3rd, 2022, and I'm your host, Jeffrey Aruz. During this podcast, we'll be having an in-depth discussion on the CW's DC's Legends of Tomorrow. Please welcome my co-hosts, Millie Wood. Hello, listeners. And Professor X. Hello, hello. Let's jump into our discussion of Season 7, Episode 11, which was titled... Rage Against the Machine, and aired February 2nd, 2022, 2 Here's the official synopsis of the episode. With some help from an unexpected person, the legends break a fixed point, creating an aberration that will attract the evil Wave Rider. The legends are soon shocked at who has been hunting them, and Sarah tries to negotiate which doesn't go as planned. Seemingly out of options, Gwyn rises to the occasion by using his military experience and hatches a stealth plan. Meanwhile, Gary helps Astra realize why she is sidelining Gideon from the mission. Okay. Big episode. A lot happens. Uh, our, our our very own Ava Sharp gets maimed, which uh, I feel like we all felt. Um, let's talk about this, because as the synopsis says, we do have a character step up in a big way, and that is Gwyn. Gwyn has, has been there, he's background a little bit. But uh, Matt Ryan really got to step up as the character in this episode. And he is the one that kind of, uh, uh, you know, sets the mission up. He becomes sort of, in essence, the the captain of this mission. Uh, Millie Wood, what did you think of that? When stepping up, you know, being the one to sort of, uh, you know, hatch the scheme, you know, what did you think of uh, yeah? What did you think of Gwen stepping up? Is basically what I'm trying to say. I was surprised because um, I was curious, like what 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 are they gonna do with Gwen? He's just kind of been there in the background, the you know religious background. But um, I, I like how he did <laughs> the religious he background. I love that. <laughs> he is an interesting guy, but no, I love that he gets the moment to shine. And when you think about it, it makes sense. Like there's always that point with the new legends that they like something clicks for them. And that's kind of, this is Gwen's episode and to do it in the way that he did um, and how he did it very much spoke to, you know, him, he did like he approaches a chess game and things like that. So I thought that was very fun. And, and Matt Ryan did a great job with him. Um, I do wonder though, kind of 
they said it like, oh, you're like a legend now or a legend. He's officially part of a team. So I feel like that can never go well for a member. Once you've become fully initiated, you either will get yeah. stuck on the wave rider or something else happens to you. Um, so I am kind of concerned because he hasn't, I think, been as fully developed as other ones. Like, kind of knew where Spooner was going or Astro was going, but this is a little bit unsure, especially because he does have this other looming thing and he is very much way out of his timeline. Ain't that the truth? It's funny because we just had this discussion in the previous podcast about Matt Ryan, about Gwyn, about where we think he's going to go from here. And I feel like this episode, for me at least, 100% confirms that more than likely Matt Ryan is leaving the series. I, I don't think Gwyn will continue past this season. I think he's going to get a happy ending, 100%. But I don't think it will be a happy ending that will involve the Wave Rider. And I don't think Matt Ryan is going to get a new character to play. We um, unfortunately got a little bit of um, casting scoop about a new character that will appear and potentially join for the next season. And I feel like because there's a new person coming on, I feel like Matt Ryan is going to depart. At least that's just my opinion. Professor, I want to bring you into the conversation. What do you think of Gwen taking the reins of leadership in this episode? And do you agree with me? Do you think Gwen, as well as Matt Ryan, will be leaving at the end of the season? Uh, I really like the fact Gwen was able to step up. You know, I mean, he had that important role to play early on that he was the inventor of the time machine that they needed. But now they've got a functioning time machine and they've got Gideon to guide the time machine. And by the end of the episode, they have a wave rider back. So Gwen's necessity of the team is is kind of over. So in that respect, yeah, I do kind of agree that I think he will leave simply because, you know, Gwen is not really an adventurer. You know, he's someone who wants to you know, save the love of his life and live a happy life. You know, based on that, um, you know, I, I can't see them sort of, you know, hang around uh, the wave rider um, and and continuing on. There's really no reason to to keep his character around. But I did like I was a little surprised, you know, uh, it did seem to come out of nowhere. There was nothing really in Gwyn's backstory that indicates he was, you know, a particularly good soldier. I always thought of him as, you know, a, uh, you know, a, a not particularly good soldier, uh, you know. Uh, but in this case, you know, it was nice that he sort of brought that out. And as Sarah said, you know, that is one thing that is kind of missing. So if they were to keep him around, you know, maybe he could be there as sort of the tactician type figure. But, uh, yeah, I kind of agree with you. I, I think this will be, uh, you know, the the end for, for Gwen. But I agree also that, yeah, he'll have a happy ending. You know, he'll, uh, he'll save his friend and they'll go off to, uh, you know, again, and the idea that, you know, if you do save his friend who was destined to die anyway, all you have to do is grab him at the moment of his death and you don't create, uh, create any sort of anomaly or anything like that. That is true. And they now have a way to heal him. I mean, let's yeah. be real. And well, remember, they were more than just friends. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So I did mention that Ava got shot. First of all, can I just say, I was shocked when Ava got shot. I, I like I, that just took me out for a moment because we usually don't see any of our people get hurt uh, outside of Sarah, but she can heal herself and that sort of thing. So I Although was a little it shocked. Was interesting that you know when she got shot and they were like you know taking her off to uh, to hide in the far point, you could clearly hear her say, "No, it's okay. I'll be over here behind the camera." Exactly, because I was I was just going to mention that Jess McCallan does direct this episode, so I mean it was a way to have her from not 
have her um, thwart her from having to pull triple duty because this was an episode not just with the legends but with the Robo Legends. And so, you know, Jess having to play Ava and Robo Ava and direct at the same time was probably going to be a lot. So, uh, yes. So, so that's why Ava had to get, well, she had to skedaddle. And that was a, the means for her to skedaddle. The other person in this episode that really got a chance to shine outside of Gwyn was Bayrod. We got to see Bayrod do something that we were discussing yesterday on a very different podcast, uh, but still in the Arrowverse. Uh, he had to uh, use the art of infiltration in this episode, and uh, he, he does it in a big way. We, we got to see um, Shion Sobayon play Bayrod playing Robo Bayrod, which was spectacular in my opinion professor what'd you think of all of the bayrod as robo bayrod uh, uh scenes and, and and content that we got oh it was great i mean like right from the opening where uh you know gwyn is telling him you have to go in and do the infiltration and so you have our bayrod who is pacifist you know clearly not comfortable with the gun and you know even as gwyn is giving his inspirational speech to the team you know bayrod is sort of walking around behind him you know, pulling focus, uh, you know, in a very Legends kind of way as he's trying to, you know, get himself into the mindset and get comfortable with the gun and everything like that. Um, no, it was it was really, really good. Um, you know, he, uh, you know, uh, especially, you know, when he was there on the Wave Rider, um, you know, his, his interactions with the other characters, um, you know, and, and all of that. It was great, you know, when he uh, is trying to fake his way through it. He's just, he's, you know, so funnily not good at this at all. And, of course, it's a very legendsy kind of thing, right, that, you know, you're there to infiltrate, and even though you look identical, you're saying the wrong thing at every possible moment. Um, and, and, you know, just on the verge of being caught out. And, and again, in a very, you know, Bayrod sense, you know, sort of, you know, uh, racing off and going, you know, I can't do this. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not qualified to do this and getting help from the rest of the team uh to actually pull off his mission so it felt very real to the character you know uh, you know as i say absolutely predictable the moment that robot bayrod showed up and, and got knocked down you knew what was going to happen uh who was going to make it onto the wave rider uh but i think yeah i, I agree with you he, he did a great job of playing it it was you know um the the show is usually very good at, uh, at balancing things this one was a bit more uh cheyenne uh, centered but i think he, he did a very good job of carrying it 100%. Uh, the line that kills me, and, and even though it was used in the promo for the episode, but I loved the line, oh, I'm going to need a year-long cleanse after this, because <laughs> it was perfect for Bayrod. It was right in character, and, and you know he was suffering throughout all of that in, in the best way possible. Milliewood, what did you think of Bayrod, Bayrod as Robo Bayrod, and all of the shenanigans that, that ensued? Oh, like, agree with everything the professor said. It was great. Um, I could just tell, even when they first saw, like, their robo versions, like, fully this time, uh, you could just see Bear up like, oh, no, my, like, my robo has a gun and he's going crazy with it. So I definitely set up for something funny. And I do like how it's that complete opposite of him. It, like, that his robo version is, like, the complete opposite. And you're going to have to, like, get into that mindset a little bit. Although, you know, Bear didn't do the best job at that. Um, and I even, like, just the when he switches between him and Robo Bayrod, like just the way that they all kind of like change their voices to be their Robo selves is always really yeah. funny. They all have <laughs> the like, gruff <laughs> voice. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> exactly. So I thought that was just fun. Um, it was just a, a really fun, good time to watch him be a different version of Bayrod, not be like his, uh, and really different, like not even him being high, like or being serious. So it was nice to see that other side of him as an actor too. The episode kicks off with uh, the majority of the time travelers from the fixed point bar getting massacred. I mean, that alien who speaks in his la- his own language and we have no idea what he was saying. I mean, he got gut punched, like literally, like his gut was like all over the floor. It was a lot. Uh, our, our barkeep uh, was murked. The Generation Z, le- not Legends, but the Generation Z time travelers got murked. Like a whole bunch of people died. I mean, it was it was spectacular and sad, kind of, because by the end of the previous episode, we had grown to enjoy some of these characters. So that was a lot. But um, someone else died that was really important to the entire situation, and that is uh, Fawn. So it's interesting because we just had this entire conversation in the previous podcast about this, and they cleaned it up in such a simple way that neither of us predicted, which is a good thing, I would say. So Thawne dies. He gets killed because he's a time traveler, and the Robo-Legends are programmed to kill time travelers. Thawne leaves his, uh, you know, his fixed points uh, watch thing to Sarah, basically telling her, it's up to you now, kid. Sarah is sort of uh, dealt with kind of privately reeling about the situation because she knows what she has to do. She made the promise of thaws. I mean, she's got to stick around. When she tells Nate about it, he's like, no, 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 no. We're not leaving you. We're going to figure it out, this, that, or the other. And he does end up figuring it out at the end of it all. He ends up uh, telling his robo self that, oh, now he's in charge of the fixed point. It's such a great honor. The robo self gets jealous, steals the doodad, and uh, he ends up becoming the protector of the fixed points. Now, we had beautiful theories about maybe Gwen will be the one in charge of it, and he can live out that day with the love of his life and all that kind of stuff. But it, that didn't didn't end up happening. And to be quite honest, it might be better so that Gwen can actually go and live on and, and, and actually have a better happy ending with Alan. But wow, what a way to sort of tie up this dangling thread that was going to end up happening if Thawne died. Thawne dies and the thread has been chopped or, or, or tied up, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Professor, you were the one that was sort of really um, interested in, in this... Uh, I don't know, Chekhov's uh, uh, time watch. What did you think of how they handled it? And since we are going to mention Robot Nate, what did you think of the Schwarzenegger of it all? Well, first things first, the Schwarzenegger of it all was 
genius. Um, to just have him do that voice and, well, I kind of like this voice. Um, uh, that was not a Schwarzenegger by any stretch of the imagination. I apologize. But, uh, you know, really funny. And then having to hit himself to reset his voice so that, you know, he could get recognized by the comms. Uh, just delightful. And, and, I mean, to what extent that is an actor's choice, obviously that had to be written to the script. But, you know, he played it really well. Um, and, uh, and and Nate overall in this episode uh, was surprisingly good. I love the fact that, you know, yes, we did have the, uh, the Fawn reveal. You know, he doesn't realize that it's uh, it's it's Robo Sarah uh, because they don't know there's a Robo Sarah. And so, he you know, he even gets the, the funny line about, you haven't worn that in a long time, and then stabby. Um, and then, yeah, we do have the, uh, the, the Chekhov's, uh, you know, uh, time stopper. Uh, hanging over everything, which is, uh, you know, and, and I think Katie Lust did a great job of sort of playing her realization of what this is going to mean. And that, that sort of hangs over everything she does for the rest of the episode. And her whole goal is just to get her team home, to protect the team. Um, and also, you know, uh, you know, she tells me, you know, tell uh, Ava where I am so that, you know, Ava can presumably come and find her and, you know, that he could have had that, you know, living that day over and over again uh, together. Um, but did not see the the resolution with the android coming. Brilliant resolution. I uh, love the fact that uh, you know Nate basically sucked him into it. And honestly, if you're looking for someone who will you know do that job efficiently, uh, you know who better than this android whose sole focus is on protecting the timeline and and killing uh, time travelers? So he'll probably do a fantastic job, uh, even better than Thawne did. So uh, yeah, a really a, a resolution that I did not see coming. I, I was. Um, I said it, it wouldn't be Sarah who'd be wearing it; it would be someone else. Um, but I did not see the idea of sending the uh, the android back to do it, which I think is is just a, a genius touch. Yeah. Also, gonna... leading mm-hmm. up to that, because we did have the scene where you know Sarah is going, "No, I have to do this. It's my responsibility. I have to face this." And so she goes to face them all, and then the rest of the team just shows up. It's like, yeah, we thought about it, but no. And no, it was just it was fantastic. I loved it. I loved every element of it. Yes, the team is spectacular, and, and I, I love that they weren't going to allow Sarah to have to face them by herself. That was just beautiful. I mean, they're a family. They're going to be there for each other. Let's talk about the Robo-Legends period, because the Robo-Legends, they took each other out. They were taken out. By the end of the episode, uh, the only Robo-Legend that at least was intact, I think, was uh, the Sarah one. Uh, her CPU was taken out, but but she's still there. So I wonder if we'll see her again, maybe reprogrammed. I don't know. But uh, Millie, I want to ask you, what did you think of how the Robo Legends were taken out? Uh, we'll talk about Robo Astra separately uh, because that has to deal with a whole different can of worms. But uh, for the most part, I mean, we did see some of them being thrown into hell. Uh, they ate each other, uh, and, and a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, what'd you think of how we got rid of each of the Robo-Legends? Very strange way for some to go, but also really funny, like, um, Gary and, like, Robo-Gary and Robo-Spooner, um, basically, uh, being duped by Real Spooner. It was all fun, um, way as in a most legends way like the guy get rid of these really smart kind of or just brute force uh robo legends that they have fun with it and it i think added all like added to the overall kind of levity of the show yeah i 100 percent agree yeah i think the the robo gary and robo spooner one was probably the best one just because it was so stupid in a spectacular way the, the way that spooner duped 
uh, Robo Gary and into thinking Robo Spooner was real Spooner. And then she's like, well, I got a grenade. <laughs> and so we all knew exactly what was going to end up happening. And it delivered spectacularly. It's fantastic. Uh, let's see. Uh, well, let's talk about Gideon in this episode. Well, no, actually, let's not talk about Gideon specifically. We're going to talk about Astra specifically in this episode because it does have to. She does have to deal with uh, Gideon. Uh, Astra ends up sidelining Gideon throughout all of the episode. Like Astra's like, no, you can't do this. You need to stay here. You you need to protect um, Ava. You need to deal with that. And Gary is the one, surprisingly, who's the most astute about this entire situation. He's like, I fully understand why you did that. Like, I don't know, you know, you don't have to feel bad about it. Like, you were the one that basically created Gideon from your spell. So you're kind of like her mom. And Astra is like, what? No, you're crazy. Like, I'm, it's not that, this, that, or the other. And she tries to shake it off. But we see the look on her face that she's she realizes she has these sort of maternal feelings for Gideon. And she does end up bringing Gideon into the fold and allows her to have a little bit of input in the mission. But it, it, but because of that, you know, there was this really tender moment between Astra and Gideon where Astra explains why she's been so hard on her. She expresses that she is proud of her. And we even have a warm embrace between both of them where Gideon says, thank you, mom. And we have a spectacular smile on Astra's face. Professor, did you immediately sort of get those maternally vibes at the start of this storyline for Astra? Did uh, did that surprise you? And what did you think of the resolution? Well, no, I, I did not at all. I, I, in fact, when it happened, I thought to myself that Astra was behaving a bit out of character. Uh, so that scene with Gary was really essential for you know, understanding what was going on with Astra. Um, having you know, had that explanation now, I would love to go back and watch the last few episodes again with the knowledge of this relationship and, and see whether this is something that they had planted seeds towards. Uh, you know, whether Astra has shown signs of you know, protectiveness or overprotectiveness uh, towards Gideon um, uh, in the past, uh, you know, because I, I, I'm pretty, you know, the writers of this show are, are so good at setting things up that I would not at all be surprised that, you know, going back and looking at some of the episodes with this realization, we would go, oh, now that makes more sense. Um, so I did love the resolution. I love the fact that it was Astra who came up with the idea for, for Gideon to save the day. And yeah, that hug was just adorable. I don't know what's better, uh, Gideon saying mum or that smile on Astra's face. Um, it just it really paid off, uh, you know, the, the nature of that relationship. And, you know, given, you know, my as I said, you know, my assumption is that, you know, human Gideon's going to have to die to uh, to save the wave rider. Um, and, you know, what will that mean for Astra if, you know, she is essentially losing her daughter, but will still have her daughter around her in some form. Uh, but I could be wrong. You know, maybe they will keep uh, a human Gideon around. I don't think so. But, yeah, my uh, my bet is still on that. Millie, I want to bring you into the conversation and ask you about Astra. I know you haven't been the biggest fan of Astra. It does feel like you're warming up to her. What did you think of her and Gideon in this episode, as well as Shipper News? We had a kiss between Bayrod and Astra. and There were sparks and all that kind of stuff behind them. 
Well, because the Wave Rider had crash-landed. But we did have an epic kiss. Uh, what'd you think of that as well? I do fan probably asses now fully on the I will... T- I enjoy this character uh, more than Dollary. I, I definitely enjoy I think that this is kind of... And maybe they've just played a very, very slow game with Asher, but um, if it is, like, the her character development, especially in this season, I think has been really like wonderful to watch and, and to see her go from somebody that rules hell to who cares for this interesting human AI computer. Um, it is really nice. And uh, I do know, I don't know like former episodes, but I know like last episode and that was kind of the tip. And so when the shoes acting the way this way, it kind of made sense. I last week where I think like they came into the, um, the bar and like, instinctively Asher like pushes Gideon behind her or something like that so you could kind of see a little inklings there um that Asher does feel this connection with her and and we speculated at the beginning of the season like are Asher and Spooner kind of like the paternal feelings and Asher more so than Spooner because they had all that time in Texas or Oklahoma together um and it makes sense like they it was mostly the three of them just to get all the way to New York so they have that bond that they don't have with the other legends and I think this is a wonderful payoff um also I don't know if it was just the angle or if um Olivia Swan I believe is her name was just incredibly tall or uh but the hug Gideon was so much shorter it was just very funny Olivia (laughs) Swan is like a supermodel like she yeah she's tall because yeah I noticed that as well and and I started to notice that when she would be paired up with Spooner because the height difference is is there as well but yeah Olivia Swan is like a freaking supermodel that makes sense it it was just like getting just hit her so low it was just it was really funny as tender as the moment was it was also kind of funny to see but I love that moment um there and then I'm still not on the, like, Bayrod Astra train, but I do enjoy how kind of out of nowhere the kiss came. Like, they didn't really, like, belabor on their relationship, and they kind of understood, like, they need to figure out whatever they need to figure out. On the past few episodes, I like how it's kind of like, oh, we almost died trying to fly the way rider. Let's kiss. It felt natural in that point. Again, I'm not a fan of it, but it worked for the scene. I just Googled it. Olivia Swan is 5 feet 10 inches. So, yeah, so she's a tall lady. Although, I mean, 5'10 is not ridiculously tall. I mean, that has to mean that Spooner is really tiny. And, <laughs> uh, and, uh, and Gideon is very short as well. Uh, because, you know, that is a full head above. Uh, and, you know, we, we talked about the fact that, you know, when, uh, uh, when Astra and Spooner, you know, were, 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 were standing side by side, you know, the, the incredible height difference. So, I mean, they must be in the, the five foot, five foot two range or something like that. For, I just for Googled it. To... Oh, okay. Uh, Amy Louise Pemberton is five feet, three inches. So only five inch uh, difference. I wonder about the actors who played. No, five, three and five, ten. That's seven. Sorry, seven. Good point. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, so... so yeah. Some of it, I think, too, is... And, again, one of the things about uh, Olivia Swan, they always put her in high heels as well. Um, oh, yes. She's usually yeah. in very high heels, like at least two or three-inch heels. Um, so, you know, her, her height thing is, uh, is, is, is even more pronounced as a result of that. That is true. Yeah, I, I will agree with that. Professor, I didn't ask you about the kiss. Uh, we have Millie Wood, who doesn't believe in love. So she does not care for the Bayrod and, you know, uh, um, 
Astra situation. I actually like them because we had a bit of a slow burn with them. You know, it started off with Bayrod's crush and a couple looks and, and kind of shyness with her. And then we had the revelation of it. And now we finally have a kiss. And, and they did take a moment. They took a beat before fully jumping into it because Bayrod wanted to sort of, you know, fully understand himself and that sort of thing. Are you a little bit warmer to this ship than Millie Wood is? Or are you on the little tugboat that Millie Wood is on? Oh, I think, you know, anyone with a soul would have to be a little more into the ship than, than uh, the, the evil, heartless, cold and cruel Millie Wood is. Okay. Um, no, I mean, a, a little, you know, it's a little bit of a cheat in that, you know, they did have last episode where it was like, no, let's take some time before we do the kiss. And then this episode, well, you know, we almost died. So maybe that, that whole taking your time is not that great an idea, but it felt earned to me. It, it wasn't like a kiss out of nowhere. You know, they had set up in the last episode uh, and both of them seem to enjoy it. And Bayrod is height appropriate. So, uh, you know, um, yeah, I, I, I didn't have any problem with that. I love it. He's height appropriate. It's spectacular. So funny. Do we have any thoughts on, I know that I talked about the Robo-Legends in regards to how they died, but just thoughts on the Robo-Legends period in this episode? Because it looks like this is our final episode really dealing with the Robo-Legends. So any thoughts on the actors playing the Robo-Legends in this particular episode? Uh, Yeah, just period. I I mean, we got a little bit more of... uh, uh, this upgraded Zari than we did in the previous one. Um, and uh, yeah, so just any thoughts, period, on the Robo Legends before we head into uh, the next topic that I want to discuss? Well, I'm not sure what the next topic you want to discuss is, but there is something I wanted to bring up. So at the risk of uh, stepping on you, uh, the slap fight between the Zaris. Oh, yes. Bring that up. Oh my god, that was, because, okay, so you have the Zari facing down the Zari, and, I mean, it's great, and, and then, you know, it just, it's a slap, and then it's a slap back, and then it just becomes the funniest fight in the history of the CW-verse, and one thing I, I always say is, you know, I, I don't like it when characters who shouldn't know how to fight can suddenly, you know, pull out moves like they're Bruce Lee or something like that. This was two people who did not know how to fight at all. Fighting, you know, like not just the slaps, but the sort of, you know, kicking at the person from as far away as possible. Oh, my God, it was the funniest. And it did lead to the great, you know, uh, you know, Gary thinking, well, maybe if I eat them both and spit one out and oh, boy. And it was the classic sort of, you know, the two people who look alike. No, it's me, you fool. No, it's her, you fool. Uh, oh, God. But just uh, again, you know, all credit to Jess McCallum for, you know, shooting that so brilliantly, but, you know, all credit as well to Tal Ash for playing that out, you know, uh, how difficult it must be to be, you know, fighting with someone who is, you know, dressed up to look like you and, and to make it look so very bad. Uh, oh, my God, that was just a comic high point of this episode. 100%. Props to Tal Ash, and I'm assuming it's her stunt person that she was fighting, her stunt double. Uh, yes, it was fantastic, brilliant, and it was in this episode when I realized, much like what you were saying, Professor, but it all clicked. I was like, of course uh, Zari has, especially this Zari, she has zero combat training, clearly, and it worked, and, and I love that Robo Zari also had zero combat training. It was just fantastic i I think the thing that like took it over the top for me outside of the you know i'm really her i'm really her i'm really her it's me it's me it's me was at the end of it all when zari was like gary you were really gonna eat me 
and she was just so disgusted with him. And then, then the look on his face, because you know he was going to go eat Robbie. Uh, Robbie. Robosari. You know he was going to eat her. So it, it was just fantastic. Spectacular. And yeah, just an amazing moment in this episode. So, moving on from uh, the Robo-Legends... They end up getting the ship back, and they being our legends. And they end up getting the ship back, I would say, in the worst way possible. Maybe it's the best way possible. So Zari goes in and infiltrates as Robo-Zari in her 90s hacker chic, as she called it. And she has the code, but she can't find the Delta key. Gideon, evil Gideon is questioning her. She realizes that it's the real human Zari Tarazi. And by that moment, Zari's just like, fuck it. And she pulls out all the wires and stuff, which forces the Wave Rider to crash. But it does allow the Legends to take claim of the Wave Rider again. So... Should I bring in the, the thing with the Robo Astra? I might as well bring it in. So while all that goes on, we have, remember that really tender moment between Astra and Gideon? Well, Gideon ends up going back into the manor to, to tell Gary and uh, Ava that they can board the Wave Rider. Robo Astra has managed to claw her way out of hell, much like real Astra did. <laughs> And uh, stabs Gideon. They both fall down to the ground. Gideon sees that it was Robo Astra. It's a moment. Clearly Gideon's not dead. But that is the cliffhanger of the episode. So my big question is, clearly we're not done with evil Gideon. We've gotten rid of the Robo Legends. But now we have to deal with the actual big bad of the season. How are we going to deal with Robo Gideon? Did um, how the the legends reclaim the Wayrider was that surprising? Uh, was that how you thought it was going to go? And uh, clearly, Gideon's not going to die, at least at this moment, right, Milliewood? I don't know. For a hot second, I thought we might have lost Gideon because um, I I know like the press is always saying like the season's going to end with her death. Oh, maybe it came early, but um, I think they'll tease it out a little bit longer. Uh, I I don't know how they're going to defeat them. I, I wonder if it's going to end up like they have to humanize the evil Gideon. So it's going to be like Gideon versus Gideon, or Gideon finds more Robo Legends somewhere. But um, I think that'll be fun to watch that unfold in the next two episodes. I did say like a a back from the fiery depths Asher is quite disturbing looking <laughs> I was not expecting to see her um so that was shocking also props to you know her I guess stubbornness to come back uh I also like how uh Zari just pulls the cable I feel like that has to cause way more issues than it does um and it's concerning that the override is like the password to override Gideon is only like six characters long I don't think that's like you know, a nice, good standard if you're going to take down a whole Wave Rider. You only need, like, six characters. And it's written on her hand. I just thought that was all really funny um, and not secure. Oh, that's... You said it. That's funny and not secure. Uh, yeah, probably. Professor, what about you? What did you think of how 
how Zari, you know, took back the Wave Rider in 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 such a spectacular sort of way. You know, just unplug everything. And uh, yeah, where where do you think we go with evil Gideon? And is our Gideon going to survive? Um. Well, you know, I I, I do have a slight twist on my my Gideon theory uh, coming up. But first, uh, yeah, the uh, the Zari taking down Gideon was so good. I mean, throwing in the Gidget reference uh, before she did, and then it was absolutely it was so in character. For her to just, uh, you know, because if it had been the other Zari, she still would have been trying to hack and trying to hack and trying to hack. And, you know, other Zari, our Zari is just like, nah, rip them out and, you know, uh, yes, obviously it caused some damage. But, uh, you know, it, it did solve the problem. So yay for that. Um, the return of uh, Robo Astra took me totally by surprise. Very horror trope. You know, the uh, the uh, the serial killer that you think is dead comes back at the end and, uh, oh, no, you turned your back, literally in this case, for a second and, uh, and, and are stabbed as a result. My variation on – because I've always been saying that, you know, what's going to have to happen for them to, to regain control of the Wave Rider is that, you know, Gideon would have to sacrifice herself to take out um, bad Gideon, which I still think is what's likely to happen. Um, but I'm also wondering whether the possibility is that if our Gideon – uh, our human Gideon is going to die. Um, you know, it might be a way to save her by basically, you know, putting her back in the place of, of evil Gideon. So this might be less a matter of, you know, her going to war with evil Gideon and more a matter of, uh, of as a way of, of saving her life. Yeah, I can actually see that happening, you know, for somehow, for some reason. Like, I don't think what happened to her at the end of the episode is sort of like the thing that's going to like kill her because we still have two episodes left. But I could see something happening in the finale where maybe, you know, I don't know what it could be, but, you know, Gideon is dying and she has to be re-uploaded to save her. I could see that happening. Although I don't really want to lose in the flesh Gideon. I like her so much and she's grown so much and i feel like she you know she can still grow you know as a human and there's the sort of like the comedy in that but i just don't know how we can keep human gideon and have the wave rider unless the wave rider just doesn't have the ai and it's just human gideon giving the directives like i I just i can't it, it's not working in my brain maybe because i'm just so used to the ai so like even if they take human gideon Okay, so she's been stabbed, so they just take her to the med bay and fix her up, except all of that's controlled by the AI on the ship. And if the AI on the ship is evil Gideon, that creates a situation where they might be dealing with, you know, they're trying to save, you know, uh, human Gideon's life, but, you know, evil Gideon, you know, they can't risk putting evil Gideon, you know, back in control. Um, So, yeah, I I just feel that at some point, you know, our Gideon has to sacrifice being human uh, to, uh, to regain control of the Wave Rider. Okay. All right. Milliewood, do you buy that? Do you do you think for sure evil not evil Gideon. Our Gideon will be back to being just an AI? Like logically it makes sense, but I'm biased and I really enjoyed human Gideon like you have, so um the logical part of me says yes, but um I'm hoping that they see 
the benefits in Human Gideon and she gets to stay around, she'll find another way to sacrifice something else uh, to defeat Evil Gideon. She's smart. Okay. Yeah, screw logic. We're not logical people, Milliewood, are we? Absolutely not. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> yes. As she looks for another reality TV show to binge. Yes. Okay. All right. All right. So I'm trying to think. I feel like I covered everything. Did I miss anything? Was there a tiny moment that anyone wants to chat about? Uh, as, as I mentioned, we saw basically all of the Robo Legends uh, get um, exterminated. We do still have the Robo Sarah. Do we think she might make an appearance at all? Or do we think she's just going to get... Uh, eaten up by Gary, and just anything else. Was there anything that I missed before we head into the MVP? There was one little moment that I, I, I think, you know, could have been a uh, a sly nod or a, a wink, which is, you know, after um, uh, uh, Ava has been uh, wounded uh, and they take her back to the, the vanishing point, and she's just lying there on the couch with her back to the camera. And, I mean, it's so obvious that, you know, it's, it's, it's not Jess McCallum because Jess McCallum's directing. And I assume that they all know that we know that Jess McCallum's directing. So it seemed to me like one of those little winks, uh, you know, like it's so obvious what we're doing here that, uh, you know, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, see what we're doing. Um, it, it felt to me almost like a little, uh, you know, wink to the audience of, of Jess McCallum. Because they didn't have to have her in the shot at all, you know. But having her just sort of lying there you know, back to the camera, uh, struck me as, uh, as, as, as a possible wink. All right. And Robo Sarah will return No, right? Nah, I think, yeah. I mean, she's had her CPU removed as long as they don't put the CPU back into it. Um, then yeah, that should be, as long as they remember to not leave it, you know, there in, in 1914, uh, and put it back on the wave rider. Um, yeah, there should be. And as we know, they do have a, uh, a handy dandy, uh, robot oven on the uh, wave rider so they do yes they also have to pick up that uh, ipad where the lady was playing the candy crush <laughs> but um... and the big mouth billy bass okay it's, <laughs> yeah. in terms of things we forgot it <laughs> the things that they did to uh to to create aberrations you know the the darth vader reference the big mouth billy bass uh oh my the big mouth billy bass was to me the funniest thing imaginable uh and there was also you know one little thing uh just a little throwaway line where uh, Spooner is saying, you know, what should we do to, to mess with their minds? Tell them that we put a man on the moon. And Gwyn's response was, oh, my God, what did he do? You know, yes. Saying to the moon like a prison. A punishment of some sort. Oh, God, it's so funny. Yes, fantastic. The Big Mouth Billy Bass was awesome. The Darth Vader thing, and they were like, oh, that must be an American thing. Like, it was just, it was so stupid and amazing all at the same time. Well, now it's time for the MVP, the most valuable player. State which character impressed you throughout the episode and why. Once a character has been chosen, they cannot be selected again. So, choose wisely. Millie Wood, you're up first. Who's your MVP and why? I will have to go with um, Zari as my MVP. Uh, it was just, I mean, we all talk about how great Tal Ash does, but just to see her first fight, you know, herself as Zari, but also um, her playing Zari and then just pulling the cables. It was all just super fun and funny and just a solid performance as usual from her. Very good choice. Professor, what about you? Your MVP. Uh, I'm going with Nate. Uh, I think, uh, you know, Nate has, has really turned it on, uh, you know, in the latter part, he's really become a, uh, you know, a, a, a really trusted, uh, you know, uh, assistant uh, to, uh, to Sarah, you know, the scene where he basically, you know, yeah, we, uh, we, that's what you said, uh, you know, he was the one who kind of helped save the day. 
Um, you know, he was the one who, who tricked his, his uh, robot. And honestly, the fact that both of the Nates, the, uh, the, the robot Nate and, you know, the human Nate, uh, were both so very good. Um, just a tremendous job of acting on his part. Another great choice. And uh, I guess I've been on the Bayrod train for the past couple of weeks. I'm giving it to Bayrod. I thought Bayrod was fantastic in this episode. I loved seeing him take on his robo self. Uh, but keeping sort of like the the normal Bayrod essence in there, just fantastic. Uh, yeah, he was uh, brilliant in the role. Now it's time to rate the episode. How would you rate this episode on a scale of 1 to 10 Wave Riders? The point system is allowed, and if you found the episode exceptional, deserving of more than a 10, you may grant it the coveted golden Wave Rider. Professor, you're first. Well, I know Millie's too cool for school, and she's going to go, oh, no, it wasn't as good as you say. But no, this was an absolutely an archival episode. This was Golden Wave Rider all the way. Just a damn delight. Um, you know, uh, humor, heart, spectacle, great character development, um, uh, great surprise at the end. Uh, you know, I just, yeah, I, I love this episode. I think it's eminently rewatchable. All right. The professor is giving it the Golden Wave Rider. He said it's very rewatchable. Millie Wood, your name has been besmirched, uh, so I will ask you, how would you rate this episode? But most importantly, the professor said you're too cool for school. Is that true? No, I, well, sort of. <laughs> oh, okay. My golden wave writer is just casting some shade on Millie. Oh, well, that's that's a lot. So Millie Wood, how would you rate this episode? I will have to go with a solid 9.5 Wade Riders. <laughs> Stick with my truth. It was very enjoyable, very rewatchable. Um, I I feel like maybe it's because we hold Legends to different standards, but kind of what we've had this season, um, I don't know if it would be, you know, up there, but it's definitely really good. Jessica Allen did a great job. Um, I do feel like a little bit it was moving some important pieces um, into place for the final two episodes of the season. So we've got, what was that? That was a 9.5, I just want to confirm. Milliwood? Yes, 9.5. Okay, we've got a 9.5. We've got a golden. Usually the professor and I are in sync, but I'm going to give it a 10. Um, yeah, I thought it was a fantastic episode, very rewatchable, but I'm going to give it a 10. Uh, after I watched the episode, I said 10. Usually, you know, I, I, I typically go with my gut after I watch the episode, and, and that's what I said. Um, I feel like we're all kind of nitpicking the episode because at the end of the day we were basically all agreeing that it was fantastic and it was incredibly rewatchable and everybody did a good job and Jess McCallum was awesome as always as director uh, but yes I will give it a solid 10 you're and, just being influenced by Millie's coolness well Millie is very cool but you are the paragon of cool so it's like it's like a whole lot of cool I'm wearing a jacket right now on that note, join us next time for a brand new installment of Time Masters. Here's our announcer, Gidget, to remind you on how you can interact with us. Thank you, Captain. Follow Perpetulo Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Perpetulo Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at perpetuoradio.com. Are you interested in joining the Perpetulo Radio team as an on-air personality or blog contributor? Email talent at perpetuoradio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Perpetulo Radio programs by visiting perpetuoradio.com archives. 
You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Just search for Time Masters and subscribe. Back to you, my captain. Thanks, Gidget. My co-hosts, please wish the listeners a good night, starting off with the paragon of cool, the professor. Good night, listeners. Enjoy the Winter Olympics. And the one who's too cool for school, Millie Wood. Good night, listeners. If you want to follow along, I'm on Twitter. All the cool kids follow me. Yes, but you didn't tell them how to follow you. <laughs> um, on Twitter is at the Asian nerd. There you go. She was too cool. She forgot. I'm just saying. Jeff, when you're as cool as Millie, people know these things. That is true. I mean, they just you sort know of what's flock. Not cool promoting yourself. What is oh, cool okay. is lying. That that's 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 what cool really is. Oh yeah, you would know. It's the Paragon. Um, thanks for tuning in. I'm so cool. I'm not on social media. That's how cool I am. Ah. Quick little programming note for the listeners. Uh, we will be off for the next two weeks. Uh, Legends will not be airing any new episodes for the next two weeks because of the Winter Olympics. So that means we will return in three weeks with a brand new installment. Download new episodes of Time Masters every Friday via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and the Poppy Chula Radio archives. Good night. Thank you.